0: Hello there and welcome to bringing out their best the podcast for teachers of dance drama and music My name is Sarah Marshall from Performing Arts PD Each week I will bring you a snippet of research or an interview with another performing arts educator to energize and inspire you for your working week I'd like to begin by acknowledging the Darug people the traditional custodians of the land on which I live and work I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. So should we bother with feedback? I don't know about you, but I have sat in countless performance prac classes, both as a student and as a teacher, and seen students get up to perform with varying degrees of success, only to have them finish and be barraged with well-meaning feedback from multiple different sources. When asked later what feedback they remember, My experience is that the student's memory of their feedback is predominantly negative and not very helpful. This is because when our stress hormones are elevated, as they usually are when we're performing, we are biologically primed to look out for and to remember threats. Any negative stimuli is given far greater importance by our brains and is stored more comprehensively in our memory than benign or positive messages. Given that giving constructive feedback is important for all skill progression, I thought I'd devote a few podcasts this season on different ways of giving feedback and the efficacy behind them. To begin with, I thought I'd start with a study published in May 2021, which looked at the difference between feedback given by a competent coach versus observational feedback by the participant. Hence the title of this episode, is there any evidence to support us giving feedback at all, or should we only be teaching observational skills to our students so they can improve their own performance through self-reflection? The study is set in Norway and looked at 54 adolescent competitive cross-country skiers from four different clubs with an average age of 14 years. Rather than being out in the snow, the participants were asked to practice various skills indoors using roller skis and roller ski treadmills for 30 minutes on six occasions. There was a control group and three intervention groups. One intervention group was a dyad where participants were divided into pairs, which changed for each of the six sessions, and gave each other feedback on the skill. Skiers receiving feedback were encouraged to ask questions and discuss the feedback. The second group were videoed. Skills were videoed and participants were asked to watch and reflect on how to improve the skill using their observations of their own videos. The third group was with the coach and participants received feedback from an expert coach who used external focus of attention and autonomy-supportive instructional language to facilitate learning. Groups were rotated and multiple coaches were used, so each skier had the same coach only twice. The participants were aware of the focus of each of their training sessions via cue cards and they were always invited to voice their opinion on their work before receiving feedback from the coach. Then there was a control group who only performed the test sessions pre and post interventions and continued with their normal training regime. The timing, frequency and amount of feedback was identical across all groups and they were asked to focus on identical cue cards. So everyone was focusing on the same aspects of the performance. So what did they find out? The bottom line was that those with the coach improved most on speed, self-perception of improvement, enjoyment and self-practice between sessions. The speed of video participants also improved but the dyad group showed no improvement. The control group marginally improved speed but had the lowest scores for self-perceived improvement and, like the video and diet groups, were not motivated to increase their self-practice between sessions. The diet group did not improve performance and it was found that the junior athlete's feedback often focused on irrelevant movements and gave feedback with internal focus of attention. Many participants commented that it was hard to coach one another, even with the cue cards. Although other studies had found increasing enjoyment in dyad situations, this study did not support that finding. Whilst there was no retention test for this study, it was pretty clear that coaches working with external focus of attention and autonomy supportive instructional language were able to increase enjoyment and engagement as well as performance. And this corresponds with the dance study we reviewed earlier this year. If you missed it, you can look it up. It was in Series 1, Episode 1, and it was entitled Perfectionism. So it turns out receiving our feedback is important to students. That's really good news. We're not wasting our breath. (laughs) And it also helped the students to enjoy their practice sessions more and practice more between sessions and improve their perceptions of improvement. So that is all great news for us. However, we cannot be everywhere all at once, all the time. And individual feedback all the time is not possible. So look forward to future weeks where I report on studies who found other ways to improve skill acquisition without one-on-one performance coaching. I look forward to hearing of your experiences in the chat below. Finally, I'd like to share some exciting news with you. Our course, Managing Performance Anxiety for Student Wellbeing, has become accredited PD by NESA. So, if you're a performing arts teacher in New South Wales, looking for some accredited PD hours that are relevant to your performance space, take a look. My name is Sarah Marshall. Thanks for listening today. I hope you have a fantastic week bringing out their best.